You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hello and welcome to Security Unlocked, a new podcast from Microsoft where we unlock insights from the latest in news and research from across Microsoft's security engineering and operations teams. I'm Nick Fillingham. And I'm Natalia Gadilla. In each episode, we'll discuss the latest stories from Microsoft security, deep dive into the newest threat intel, research, and data science. And profile some of the fascinating people working on artificial intelligence in Microsoft security. And now, let's unlock the pod. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Security Unlocked. And hello, Nick. Hello, Natalia. How are you? I'm doing well. So I have a question for you. Have you ever received a call from Microsoft support telling you that there is an issue with your PC and if you paid a sum of money, say $75, they would help fix the issue for you? You know, I have. I get these calls all the time, which is bananas because... First of all, I work for Microsoft. Second of all, I work in security and know that these these aren't real phone calls. These are tech support scams. And third, you can really easily put my name and I guess your name as well into into Bing, into Google, and it'll show that we work for Microsoft and we work in security. And so we're probably not good targets for this tech support scam. But yeah, no, I get these all the time. And and for me, they're sort of, you know, they're a mildly entertaining inconvenience, but for many people, they're they're a real problem. Yes, unfortunately, not everyone knows that support just won't call you. That's not part of the model. So we see that as a clear red flag, but others are sadly duped by it. And then they lose money to these scammers to pay to fix their laptop. And in reality, if there is an issue with the laptop, typically the solution is turn it on and off again. That is true. Turn it off and on again is often the solution to many of life's problems, uh, technical or otherwise. (laughs) But tech support scams are a very real problem. And so we thought here on Security Unlocked, we'd take a few episodes to really dive into this issue and sort of better understand it. And so on today's episode, we are joined by Anoop Kumar, who is the Asia lead in the investigation and analytics division of the Microsoft Digital Crimes Unit. Anoop is joining us from Singapore. And Anoop is very uniquely qualified to discuss this problem with us. Apart from leading the the Asia Digital Crimes Unit investigating tech support scams, Anoop was the inspector of police for the Central Bureau of Investigations in India for over 10 years. And so he's really seen the public sector or sort of the government side as well as the private enterprise side. Anoop really sort of walks us through the entire problem and understanding the motivations and how they work and the infrastructure and the culture of these tech support scammers are. Very happy to have Anoop on the podcast and to really help us understand this problem. On with the pod. On with the pod. Welcome to the Security Unlocked podcast, Anoop Kumar. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here. And I would like to congratulate both you and Natalia for doing such a great job, especially for somebody coming from this field. uh, Your podcast, which I listen to when I'm jogging, is quite insightful and it's quite interesting, you know, to understand and see, you know, what else is happening because at times we are just limited uh, to our area of functioning, but there is so much more to security than just, you know, what we are doing here. 
Oh, Noop, that's lovely. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, I think we can just end the interview there. That's uh, that's all we need for today's episode. Just um, No, that's wonderful. Thank you. But th- thank you for joining us. It's wonderful to hear that you're a listener as well as, as now a guest. You're, uh, you're dialing in from Singapore. So, you know, obviously, thanks for getting up early for the interview. We appreciate that. Could you introduce yourselves to the audience? Uh, what is your role at Microsoft? What is your day-to-day look like? And then maybe we'll jump into this interesting topic of tech support scams. Sure. So I am from the legal department of Microsoft and within this department, I am the Asia lead for investigation and analytics for the digital crimes unit. And I'm based in Singapore and I cover the Asia region. So my team comprises of investigators and analysts and our primary focus is to protect our customers against organized cybercrime and also understanding the mechanics of cybercrime and attribution is one important part of our job. But we take it a bit further, wherein we not only attribute it, but we also invest time and resources to filing civil and criminal referrals, which also means that a lot of my time also goes into working with the cybercrime units of the law enforcement agencies of various countries in the region in Asia. On today's episode of the podcast, we're going to unpack tech support scams. And I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. When you say tech support scams, walk us through it. What is a tech support scam? Is it just getting an unsolicited phone call trying to get you to hand over your credit card details? Is it more than that? What do we need to know? So it's actually a mix of a lot of things. You know, at the end of the day, it's basically a scam. The only difference I would say is that generally in this type of scam, uh, the perpetrator want you to go to your device or machine, whatever you are using, and trying to gain your trust in order to scam you. And while doing that, there'll be some kind of an urgency and try and scare you and then coerce you or even at times sweet talk you into believing that your device has got some kind of a technical issue which needs to be rectified. Earlier, it was limited to technology companies, but we have seen that uh, off late, you could be approached by, say, example, your internet provider, you know, they could approach you stating that we are calling in from your internet provider, there is an issue with your IP address, etc. And then make you go near your device and try and remote login and try and get remote access to your device so that they can display that there is a big issue, which is most of the time not there at all, and make you believe that you need to immediately uh, you know, get some kind of a service from them for which they will charge you a fee. Many a times these are like subscription charges, which keeps on recurring. And that is how, uh, you know, that's the basic mechanics. But over the time, it has moved on from just cold calling onto, you know, pop-ups, for example, which is now increasingly we are seeing that cold calling is reducing, but the pop-ups are increasing, for example. But at the end of the day, it is just a scam, which uses technology extensively and is at a hyperscale. Got it. So from my experience, I've received, you know, an unsolicited phone call. My phone will ring. It'll be a number I don't recognize, but it'll probably be a US number. I'll answer the phone and it'll be someone saying, hi, this is John, Terry, whatever it is from Microsoft. We've detected a problem with your PC 
and we're here to help. We want to help you get this resolved. You know, are you in front of your computer right now? And then they'll go through sort of this elaborate sort of scheme to essentially get me to go to my computer, turn it on, visit a web page, maybe install some kind of remote desktop client. Then they'll try and sort of display something on my computer to make it look like there's a problem to then make me think that I have to pay them to fix this problem that doesn't actually exist. And so that's that's sort of the experience. I mean, I knew what they were doing, but that's the experience that I sort of had. Is that the bulk of tech support scams, what I've just sort of described there, Anoop, or are there other sort of permutations of that? Yeah, that's the bulk. That forms a major, because, you know, that's the easiest way that they can, because most of the people have devices, machines, computers. So that's the reason, that's the easiest way for them to make contact with you, speak with you. Uh, at the end of the day, they are just wanting you to speak. And, you know, they improvise. They are very good in improvising. And depending on who you are, what you are looking for, and they are very good in assessing that pretty quickly. And then accordingly, they will try and sell you anything, which in the first place was never required to you. Mm. And who are the target victims? Who do the attackers go after? Is it indiscriminate? Actually, I think many years back when this started, you know, they were basically looking for people who are not technologically savvy or maybe seniors who do not understand as much. But over the years, it doesn't matter who it is because they have improved their script. They've improved their conversation skills. They have improved how they engage with the victim. So it could be anybody, even, you know, I know certain people who are in the tech industry who were also scammed, you know, who lost money. At the end of the day, it is anyone who they can target or victimize. And the big shift now is that earlier it was just cold calling, but now they have devised a mechanism so that the victim calls them up instead of they calling the victim. So you can imagine that if the victim calls them up, they have almost one half the battle because now the victim believes that there is an issue and that is how that victim is calling up the number which is displayed on a particular pop-up. It's an indicator that they've considered the scam to be credible. And how do attackers even pull off the tech support scams? What's the technology behind these scams? So one of the primary technology enabler are the pop-ups. And as you know, that pop-up has legitimate business use for advertising or authentication. And pop-ups are basically JavaScripts, right? So what they do is that they attach these JavaScripts on certain websites and then the JavaScript runs on a loop at the back end and it could have intimidating uh, sound or, you know, messages apart from the display, the blue uh, display, which kind of could be representative of a particular company and creates an impression and it kind of locks out their device and, you know, creates a situation of a panic for the victim. So that's the main thing. But we have also seen, you know, the thing use things like AdWords the, on the advertisement. So when you're going onto the search engine, the first pages, when you see, when you look for a Dell support or a Microsoft support is actually not the real Dell or Microsoft. It is the scammers, which was there. However, now all the search engines have taken care of that. So at least on the first page, I can assure that you won't see the web pages of the scammer. So it is taken care of, but still you would encounter that. Secondly, could be search engine optimization. They use that quite a bit. Thirdly, could be fraudulent URLs. They could be using URLs, which consists of brand name, for example, Hotmail support. So it actually is not Microsoft, but it's creating an impression as if it is associated with Microsoft or could be a, you know, subdomains. For example, they could register email support.com and then add a subdomain 
hotmail.emailsupport.com, which again gives an impression uh, that this is, uh, you know, associated with the company. And similarly, it could also be that, you know, because they are also running name servers at the back end. So they will, they will customize the subdomains according to whosoever their target is. It could be Google the next time. It could be Apple. So they will keep on changing that depending on the process that they are running at that time. And recently, we have come across uh, potentially unwanted programs or malware, as we call them, uh, also being increasingly used, which is also, again, it's the same thing. But then at the end of the day, they will expect you to click a link. Once you click the link, it will run a kind of a scan, which displays that your device has all these viruses and all these issues which you need to take care of. But primarily, it is user-initiated action in most of the time because of which eventually they land up in the hands of these perpetrators. Do the scammers know that they are scamming? (laughs) Yeah, I think in most of the cases, they know that they are scamming. And part how they justify what we believe is that they are justifying that they are at the end of the day making a sales. But they know and understand that what they are doing. And there are many reasons how they get drawn into this, but they know what they are doing. And the infrastructure that is being used are all legitimate infrastructures. So these are registered entities. You know, they have got directors, they have got HR, they've got employee benefits. So as somebody, you know, one of your earlier speaker had said, uh, cybercrime is a business. That's absolutely true. And if you want to see cybercrime as a business, this is one of the perfect examples of how it is run as an enterprise. And so I know one of the reasons why we're talking to you today and we're, we're doing this episode on, on the Security Unlocked podcast is because Microsoft is one of these entities that is being impersonated to perpetuate this scam. These scammers, are they are impersonating large corporations like Microsoft, like Dell, like Apple, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera, in order to operate this scam and have people think that there's something wrong and to get that thing wrong, they need to sort of pay some money. So tell us, from Microsoft's perspective, from your perspective, the, the work that you and your team do, what is Microsoft's role in all of this and what is Microsoft doing to, to try and combat this, you know, bizarre new form of, of cybercrime? Yeah. So, you know, before we go there, uh, I would like to take a step back and, Please. you know, take you many years back, wherein around 2014, 2015, wherein we started receiving a lot of reports from our customers stating that they were scammed. And somebody representing Microsoft had reached out to them and all that. And that is where Microsoft felt that there is something that needs to be done about it. And we opened up a channel called Reporter Scam. It is like Microsoft.com slash Reporter Scam. So anybody could come in and report to us. And we started receiving close to 24,000 reports a month. And when we began, the reports didn't make a lot of sense because... As you can understand that somebody reporting doesn't exactly know what things to feed in and also things like, you know, what will be important evidence or what will be important for investigation. So they were just putting in, you know, different stuff. But what we did was that down the line, we started using machine learning and we start to triage the reports that we were receiving so that we could attribute a particular domain and associate it with a phone number, which has been reported. And then associate it with a merchant account, which has been reported and associate it with an entity, which has been reported by somebody else. And you can imagine that this was a global program open for anybody could. And it gave us a very clear picture that this was a global issue. It was an industry wide issue. And it was basically targeted towards developed English speaking countries. 
But the interesting thing with machine learning and triaging was that it started to emerge a picture about groups of people or entities who could be clubbed together, that multiple reports could be clubbed better and make sense of what it is. And apart from that, we also started scraping the tech support fraud related pop-ups and used a two-model machine learning approach of text and image classification. And crawlers would categorize uh, these pop-ups into legitimate versus fraudulent. And then we were feeding all this information into the artificial intelligence technology so that we could identify the fast-moving scammers, we could prioritize, we could attribute or group them into certain group of people or they're based on their modus operandi or based on their location where we believe they were or where they are being reported or where they were targeting because there were some companies who could be targeting from a particular country. There could be some entities who could be targeting a particular kind of a geography and things like that. So once we started doing that, picture started emerging clearly. And because DCU is a global team and you know we work across the globe and our team are based in Europe, US and Asia and you know and we cover the region and and we work collaboratively together operationally as well and we had the geographical reach to actually go and verify on the ground that where exactly the call center which actually scammed a particular victim was located so you can imagine what was basically happening is that a victim could have reported from US and a merchant account that has been reported is actually registered in say UK and the money was actually routed via China because there is again a, a merchant account showing up there, which is connected with another report. And then we have an associated domain name reported from Australia. And we could bring all that together and then identify who exactly where the call center is located. And then we would deploy our outside investigators to go and verify that what exactly they are doing. And we're able to then pinpoint where they are coming from, who they are, and identify as much intelligence as possible out of them. Wow. And so all of this began really just, I think you said maybe like five, six years ago. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It is sort of a newish problem. It's a it's a problem that's only been around, it hasn't been around for 10 years yet. Do we have an indication of the size? Do we know how many scammers there are or sort of the volume of the victims that they've, they've encountered? How big is this problem, Anoop? I think at this point, I can only you know, makes certain assumption, which I want to avoid, however. But the thing is that, as I said, that 24,000 victims are reporting to us. Now it's down to around 10,000. But actual number of people reporting to us is very, very small because many a times victims don't even realize and know that they have been scammed or the victims don't even know how do they attribute who did it to them. So they don't know and they can't take any further steps. And there are very, very few people who actually report to us. So but one thing I can say is that it's hundreds and thousands of victims all over. And, you know, this is an insight that we also got because of some of the work that we de- did along with the law enforcement agencies to understand that one call center was actually making hundreds and thousands of dollars uh, every year. And so I don't have an exact number and it's very difficult to really give. But we have a survey coming up, uh, which will give more insight pretty soon. Anoop, I wanted to ask if you could talk a little bit about the partnerships that you have gone and created with the law enforcement agencies and any other sort of like cyber protection groups that may exist at sort of the government or the industry level. Who is Microsoft partnering with? How do you partner with them? 
I wonder, are you able to, you know, without, um, you know, jeopardizing any sort of operational security here, can you tell us about maybe one of these engagements, one of one of the the times when maybe you've partnered with local law enforcement and you've gone and actually visited a, a call center on the ground and seen what the operation was like? Yeah, sure. But I also want to, uh, you know, take you more in depth into why we stepped in and uh, why why we felt a need to actually do something about it and partner with law enforcement agencies. Because at the end of the day, it is definitely our brand name being used. And this was also one of the challenges that many of the victims and who actually tried to reach out to law enforcement agencies. This is typical of cybercrime because the victim is in a country, the payment processor is in another country, the money was routed through a third country and likewise. So there are some challenges in terms of where does the victim actually go and how does he, he or her report. So once we started realizing that our customers or victims could not actually be able to you know, go to the country where these perpetrators are based and report it to the police. And even if they report it, the police is, is not able to take any action because there is not enough evidence or enough material for them to proceed any further. That is when it was thought that, you know, we could step in and try and bridge that gap. And uh, we started partnering with the law enforcement agencies uh, from the victim countries. We also uh, started working with the law enforcement agencies uh, in India where these call centers were based. We immediately understood uh, the ground challenges. And, uh, you know, I also want to mention here that I'm a former police officer and I was with the Central Bureau of Investigation uh, back in India and wore the federal law enforcement hat for about 11 years. So on the ground, I could understand the ground realities because they wanted to take action, but they were tied because it would also require a victim who is based out of India would require some kind of a mutual legal assistance from the law enforcement agency, from the from the victim countries. So here, uh, what we did was that we, the intelligence and the analysis that we were able to do, and as I said, that we were attributed to the person, the entity, the directors who were involved in, in such type of operations. So what we did was that we built the intelligence, which was good enough, which we could go and uh, share it with the law enforcement. So now it was not a John Doe complaint that somebody did I don't know who did to me, but I was scammed. So this was very specific, wherein victim reported to Microsoft. And here is a victim's declaration, which our lawyers in, say, for example, US went and approached the victim who lost money, got a declaration from them. And we built all the intelligence and we went to the law enforcement agency and told them and showed it to them that this is what we have. And we also were ready to file a criminal complaint on behalf of Microsoft because our name was being used to scam the victims. And once the law enforcement saw that, that there is enough meat and enough material, so they took internal approvals, they did verification, and once everything was, uh, you know, they could verify on the ground, they said, okay, let's go ahead. And, you know, they were keen to take prompt action on it. And, uh, you know, they went a step further that they said that, okay, let's not only do one call center, let's, why don't we do a sweep? Because, you know, doing one call center may not be effective enough. Let's do a couple of them. Do you have enough intelligence? And we, because of the machine learning and the triaging that we were doing, we already were sitting on a lot of information. So we built on that information and then uh, the police, uh, we shared criminal complaints and the police took criminal action against them. They made arrests, they sealed the premises. And also, uh, you know, many of these cases, they have already framed charges and these are in trial at the moment. And then likewise, it was just not limited to one state. And this was done by the state police. 
we went to various state police and once the name got out that our approach worked in one state we knew that we could go to other states so likewise we went from uh, to multiple states three four states and we worked with the cyber crime units of those states and then you know they took in, uh, action based on on our criminal complaint so these these employees these people who are working in these call centers you know I assume they're taking these jobs because they're paid and maybe they're actually paid well. Maybe scamming is is lucrative. Is there also a role here to play for uh, skilling up these sort of folks who are looking for employment, looking to make money and seeing scamming as an opportunity for them? Is there a way that we can actually provide further training, better job opportunities? You know, is there something that can be done here to to make not just scamming difficult, but to make it hard to get employees to actually conduct the scamming? I think Microsoft is doing quite a bit in this space as well. However, the thing is that these are people who who do have some kind of a basic skill and as you can understand that there is a very large back end processing operations and there is a huge ecosystem which supports those operations so there are a, a lot of trained people out there so that issue will always be there of uh, you know things like unemployment which drives these people so creating more job opportunities would be definitely something and and microsoft in india is heavily investing in this area including you know creating a new office and space around the national capital region and also upskilling through various you know our ngos for the people so that not only use of the technology but you know they could use that effectively so that you know these these people are working on the right side of the law also i think education and educating because many of these scammers are actually graduates out of college and they start their career with such type of acts which will have an impact in their career later on as well so you know educating from that point of view is also something that we are working on we are focusing on and uh, we have also seen that not everybody who joins the call centers or who is part of this scam are people who intentionally intended to do that in the first place because there are a lot of whistle blowers who actually reported to microsoft who were employees of these companies who once they understood and knew that what was happening they actually reported to us which actually helped us build some of the targets and you can understand that somebody from inside that's the best source of information for us so we have seen that also increasing and and you can see that there is a lot of attention towards this in social media as well i have seen lot of people who are working in the, in this industry raising their voices and also uh, creating awareness uh, around why these people could have been moved into uh, into this uh, this because of some greedy employers of theirs yeah it's fascinating so it sounds like i should ask like are we you know is the scope of this problem is it contained within india or is india you know we, we you've mentioned india a few times are there other countries throughout asia throughout asia pacific throughout the americas south america like where where else are tech support scams happening unfortunately because of the ecosystem which exists a bulk of the tech support related calls are actually originating from india but uh, we are also seeing some countries in north africa uh, which are french speaking countries which are also setting up similar kind of uh, setups in india the law enforcement agencies uh, you know we are in talks with some of the state agencies and you know clearly the message is that they want to clean up the entire city unfortunately you know in india the covid situation came in in, in 2020 and still going ongoing 
so that you know there was a little break towards it but clearly you know the the action which was taken by the federal law agency clearly gives a message that uh, you know india is serious about taking action against against such type of scam because and there are people who are committed to take action against this but only thing is that it will take some time but i think we should be there how can you identify a scam from a legitimate support request and what should you do if you're targeted by a tech support scam? First of all, I will say that please report it. Report it to a law enforcement agencies or Microsoft if you are a Microsoft customer. Because I can assure you that we are looking at each and every report and it forms a part of the action that we are taking. And it's not limited to just criminal action. We are doing a lot of other things, civil actions, you know, even season desists. And, you know, even sending letters, educational letters, etc. We are doing a lot of stuff there. And it helps if you report. If you don't report, you know, you have lost money, but that, you know, that scammer will continue to scam someone else. So you need to please report. And remember that there are never any cold calls coming in from any of the companies. There is a lot of material and education being spread around this that there will never be a cold call coming in from. It is always has to be initiated by the customer. Uh, it is never that Microsoft will contact anyone. For that matter, any technology company will not contact anyone. If there are any technical issues, a lot of things are taken care by using technology. And if at all there is any kind of error message on your device, remember that if it is a error message generated by the operating system, it will not have a number to call back. That's one of the important things to always remember. If there is a number to call, you are sure that this is a scam and you are being swindled. And if if at all, you know, your device locks in, your screen is locked in because of that pop-up, the easiest thing to do is just restart your device. There is nothing wrong with your machine. You can stay confident. You can stay sure that there is nothing wrong with your device. Just shut down, restart the machine. I can assure you the pop-up will go off. So to, just to summarize that, Anoop, so you're saying like, if in any doubt, report it. Report it, report it, report it. We want that data. We want those reports. Sounds like there's some pretty sophisticated sort of data science happening behind the scenes there to try and correlate those reports, to try and link those reports to the phone numbers, to the websites, to the sort of payment infrastructure. And so really sounds like the number one here is if you know you've been targeted or you think you've been targeted, just report it because that data is going to ultimately help uh, either weed out false positives or help uh, narrow down on actually identifying real scams. Yeah. And then I think the second thing you said there, and it's, it's something that I've I've seen a lot in literature is, you know, Microsoft will never cold call you with an offer of tech support. I don't think we sell a product, even in our sort of like highest enterprise tiers. I don't even know if we even have a product where Microsoft would essentially cold call you to say that they found a problem. So, so yeah, you'll never receive a legitimate cold call from Microsoft. That's probably the first one. And then the second one then is, if in doubt, report it. Yeah. Would that be your two pieces of guidance or is, is there something else? Yeah, I think these are the two most important things and always keep in the mind. And these are simple things, but just keep it in mind. I really appreciate the simplicity of that. If you are targeted by a tech support scam and you start to worry, turn it on and off again. That's yeah, it. that's it. It fixes most things, really, doesn't it? You know, you can <laughs> you know, turn your car on and off, your toaster on and off. Uh, I got one of those air fryers and it stopped working and I just turned it off and it's back on again and now it's fixed. So yeah, it's amazing how well that works. Anoop, I wondered if, if in your time researching and investigating these problems, have you visited 
have you visited any of these call centers? Have you actually gone on the ground in India and seen some of these places yeah, in person? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, visited in the sense not, uh, you know, I've looked at it from outside because uh, when these operations are being carried out, before we go to the law enforcement, one of the things that we do is that we we verify that what we are writing on the criminal complaint is something which exists. So I would do, you know, of course, we have a large team in India and uh, which supports, we have got team of outside investigators and we also have outside counsels who ensure that we we take the right steps in the right manner. But I do visit looking at, at it from outside and at times, you know, I've seen pictures because these call centers also like to share a lot on social media. So they'll have birthday parties. As I said, you know, it's just another company, right? So they do share a lot. So I see that a lot in, in the reports that I get from outside investigators. But actually going inside the call centers, I haven't done it myself. But yeah, whenever the law enforcement does any kind of operations, uh, they do expect the complainants to be present. And also there could be, you know, something technical that needs to be addressed or explained. So uh, me and, you know, our analysts and our outside counsels are there because we also want the law enforcement to feel comfortable and be there that we are not only writing a complaint, but we are also, uh, you know, providing any kind of, you know, clarifications that they may need you know, before they take any kind of actions. Anoop, I think one of the things is you've sort of blown my mind here is, you know, the the idea that these tech support scams, they just look and function like a business. Like they have birthday parties, they share pictures on social media, they have sales quotas. They, I think when you hear the word scam and cybercrime, I think you sort of think of underground organized crime. And I'm sure there must be some component to that sort of infrastructurally or sort of from a funding perspective, or certainly that's where the money's going. But the day-to-day operation, these are people showing up to work, putting on a headset, doing a job, hitting a quota, having lunch with their friends, sharing memes. It's just blowing my mind to think that 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 sort of exists at sort of like a some degree of scale. Yeah, actually, that's the unfortunate part. And uh, and increasingly, it's just not tech support scam. We are seeing a lot of, you know, and I mentioned this, that cybercrime is run as a business now. I'm just digressing, but, you know, for example, malware as a service, you know, mass, as, as you call it, it's basically a service. They have got customer care. You can call them up uh, and they will actually advertise that, uh, you know, you can, you can do this and that. So it's basically, it's the same thing. The only thing is that here, because of the work that we have done, we have got clear picture of how exactly they are operating. And it's very encouraging to see that, you know, the law enforcement and other agencies, the cybercrime units are increasingly, you know, building their own capacities. And industry also, you know, we are coming together and trying to address this collectively because this is not just one single company can address it or, uh, you know, take an action. Like, for example, you know, two, three years back, I attended an Interpol conference wherein it was a cybercrime conference, which Interpol organized. And similarly, Europol organized a cybercrime conference and, you know, I, I was invited wherein I was able to address and talk to the law enforcement officers as to what exactly is happening on the ground and the challenges that uh, that exist and need to address them. And these are big changes because, you know, an Interpol cybercrime conference inviting industry and it was just not Microsoft. There were other companies as well who were invited who work in this space. So the law enforcement is also opening up to this idea of partnering more more with uh, with industry now the way we at least in digital crimes unit 
the way we are trying to fight crime is basically by partnerships and, uh, you know, taking everyone together. It's just not we uh, who are trying to do it. And we are doing it not only for our customers, but for the larger public as well. Because it impacts everyone. It in, impacts my parents, uh, my seniors in the family. It impacts my family, my children. So we believe that this is, uh, you know, absolutely the right thing to do. And that is where our team is primarily focused on areas like these. And for anyone who's interested in learning more about tech support scams, protecting themselves against tech support scams, where can they go? What resources are available to them? So there is a lot of material definitely from Microsoft. You can just go microsoft.com slash security and, you know, just key in the word tech support scam and you would definitely find a lot of material there. And, and there are a lot of guidance, you know, some of the actions that we have done, details about that. You can just search on the internet. There is a lot of material. But the easiest is microsoft.com slash security. And remember, microsoft.com slash report a scam. Please report to the listeners whosoever, you know, has faced or has come across any such type of calls or such type of pop-ups, etc. Whatever little information uh, would also remember that could help our investigations. We'll definitely put those URLs in the uh, show notes. Anoop, thank you so much for your time and, and thank you for taking on this uh, really, really important work. You know, I think we've only just scratched the surface here, so we'll, we'll definitely try and learn some more about tech support scams on Security Unlocked. We'd love to talk to you again on the podcast one day, but thank you so much for your time today. Same here. Thanks, Nick. Thank Natalia. It was a pleasure. Nice talking to you guys. Well, we had a great time unlocking insights into security from research to artificial intelligence. Keep an eye out for our next episode. And don't forget to tweet us at MSFT Security or email us at securityunlocked at microsoft.com with topics you'd like to hear on a future episode. Until then, stay safe. Stay secure. This week on Uncovering Hidden Risks, we explore how you can use a cloud-native application protection platform to solve different challenges. Be sure to listen in and follow us at uncoveringhiddenrisks.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.